It's a top selector. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. I know you're gonna dig this. All right, so we're here right now, live with G Funky and the Fight Doctor. I had a lot of stuff on my mind that I didn't get to get off my chest. So I told D Style that I wanted to do an overtime, and he was cool with it. I don't think he wanted to go much extra, but I told him that I did. And G Funky, Fight Doctor, glad you're here with me, guys, uh, to get things started. Uh, G Funky, I want to roll to you first because I know you are a huge fan of Mario Barrios as a, a legit 140 pounder. So I know you must have been super excited to hear that Mario Barrios was going to get a shot at none other than Tank Davis. What, what did you think when you heard that, bro? <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? The tank, when Tank beats this dude, because this is what he's going to do. Uh, all roads to undisputed lead to Tank Davis now, bro. Because before that, it was all going through Mario Barrios, right? <laughs> I mean, according to Tank's promoter, that belt, that regular WBA, that's the real one. That's the real one right there. You know, Tank's the real WBA at 135. Now he's going to be the real WBA at 140. Man, get the fuck out of here with this fight, okay? This is garbage. I'm sorry, man. This guy, again, after what I think is probably his best career win, against Leo Santa Cruz, who was probably the most accomplished guy that he's been in the ring with. This is what you do. You skip over all those good fights at 135, and then you go to, to fight Barrios at 140. Man, this is terrible, man. This is terrible. And like I said, I'm going to hold a lot of you guys' feet to the fire. I know you guys don't like it, but I'm going to hold a lot of people's feet to the fire. And you know what? If you don't like it, the email is gfunky84boxing at gmail. You come see me. Bring your ass on. I want to come see you, all right? No, absolutely. And look, there's so many fights for this dude, though, at 130, right? We got the Valdez fight. That could be on pay-per-view. Absolutely. This being on pay-per-view? Come on, man. You got to be kidding me, right? You got 135 pounds, right? You got Devin Haney. Possible pay-per-view. I won't say that's definitely pay-per-view, but possible pay-per-view, right? I would say Ryan Garcia, definitely pay-per-view, but you're really going to try to sell us at Mario Barrios' fight at 140 as a pay-per-view? Come on, man. Fight Doctor, you said earlier you're not a fan of Undisputed or, or it's overrated. What, what were your thoughts when you heard of this fight? I don't care. Right. Now, here's the deal. So, uh, 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 Davis is coming off of uh, a broken hand, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually going to give Davis a pass on this fight only because he's coming off a broken hand. And, and I think that, you know, coming off of an injury, maybe you don't want to match your guy tough coming off of an injury like a broken hand. So I'm going to give I'm going to give Davis a pass on this fight only for that reason. But I still don't care. And I'm definitely not paying, you know, to watch him, you know, beat up a nobody. And I take that. I don't want to say a nobody, uh, nobody, but uh, you know, uh, I, I don't care, and I can't put it. You know, I can't put it any other way. I don't care. Um, I don't care. And you know, listen, a, a lot of these guys, you know, when you look at their resume, it's like, yeah, you fought this guy. I don't care. You fought that guy. I don't care. And that's unfortunately Tank Davis. And there are a lot of fights that could be made that I would care. A lot of people would care, but unfortunately, we're not getting those fights. I don't know why, but I do know. Well, what I know is I don't care. 
D. Jeff, thoughts? Man, uh, I'll tell you like this, bro. Tank Davis, I'll, I don't give him a pass. I hear fight, doctor, but Floyd, that son of a bitch planned this fight before he broke his hand. You know what I mean? So I can't give him a pass for the broken hand because he was planning to go into this fight before he broke his hand, before he tried to hit everybody with his damn car and all of this. Look, this is a this is a reoccurring thing with Tank Davis, Floyd, and Ellaby in this foolery, man. I used to be a huge fan of Tank Davis, but I had to let it go because they're not going to do the right things with him. And if you as any fans out there are, are holding on to hope, that they are eventually going to do the right thing, I'm going to give you one name, Adrian Broner. It ain't going to happen, okay? So I've given up on Tank. And, and, and the foolery he does, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't surprise me because it's not it's not really him. It's Floyd and this persona and this that they're trying to build. What is When you always talk about Tank's accomplishments or him be, you know, his legacy, what the hell does LB always say? Well, well, you see, Tank is a star. That's not what I asked you, you idiot. I asked you about his legacy, about, you know, his the, the challenges, the level of competition. Well, you see, Tank is a star. And that's it. That's all you're going to get from them. They're trying to build this facade. So nothing surprised me with Tank Davis. As far as Mario Barrios, he's not ready for that. This is um, positioning. We just talked about, about that on the last show, positioning, right? And I explained this before, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. Floyd Mayweather knows how to position Tank. He did it with Leo Santa Cruz and Miguel Flores. He set up that Miguel Flores fight so Tank could be handed that belt. This is also positioning. He goes there. He beats Barrios for that regular title. And once the whole ordeal is done with Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor, those belts get dispersed and Tanks get elevated to a regular champion without ever throwing a punch. It's all about positioning, man. It's all foolery. Didn't Tank already get elevated to a super title? Over and he'll do it again. Over <laughs> he, did, right? he did, right? Drew Evo from the Shoe Shine, my brother, out of Philly. What were your thoughts when you heard about this fight? I'm going to open this up with a question. Has he fought a legitimate 130-pounder? No. Nope. Has he fought a legitimate 135-pounder? No. No. So, why the hell do we think we should make Tank Davis special? Because he's been Floyd? He's on a pay-per-view, bro. He's a pay-per-view star. <laughs> do you think I'm going to pay 70 to 80 bucks to see Tank Davis fight a nobody? Hell to the effing no. Nope. Drew, I wouldn't even pay $39.99, brother. I wouldn't even pay 10 bucks to see that fight. The other thing, they made this a pay-per-view. You know, you got guys like me and Ranger, Raw Boxing TV. Shout out. Thank you for joining me, bro. Um, you got us looking for streams out of Japan, figuring how to subscribe to, like, Japanese expat uh, channels and this and that. Like, we can't get that fight on TV, but Mario Barrios, Tank Davis is a pay-per-view? Come on. But you know, Mayweather. That's the, the main BBC thing way. that Showtime does wrong. That they pick the wrong fights for pay-per-view all the time. Yeah. Like Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola. <laughs> Who else is going to buy that? Uh, hey, but hold on, though. 
in defense to that fight, I can kind of see why they did it with that fight because they're kind of looking, they're hoping for the action that these two fighters could potentially bring. And remember, as we were just talking on the previous show, there is that fan base. There is that fan base that supports. So don't be surprised if we see a pretty decent number on this pay-per-view, though. But I'm not talking a million. Uh, huh? You want to know what's going to happen? And here's the end results. Chris Ayer is going to be at the end of the fight doing a post-interview say, crying and saying how much he fucked up. That's fine. That's fine. That's not the point. The point is that what, they're, what the vision, what they're ho hoping for, and then having the advantage of the fan base. So I, I personally think Andy Ruiz is going to annihilate this dude. That's me. I think Andy Ruiz is going to. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yeah. He's going to retire for once for good, uh, Chris Ariola. I think he's going to annihilate this dude. It's going to be bad, bro. It's going to be a massacre. Really bad. I mean, you got a guy who's in the prime years of his career, in his athletic prime, who's finally decided to take his fitness and his conditioning and his training seriously. And it's finally decided to be the best Andy Ruiz he can be. It was something that he did not do. I said this earlier on B-Style's channel on the round table. Shout out to Carlos Teodoro, my grandfather, RIP. Uh, he let down like all of the Mexican fight fans, man. You know, he, he had an opportunity to defend three belts, right? Or at least, yeah, three belts, I believe, right? In the dunes. And he ate himself out of the heavyweight championship. And now you're taking on another guy, but this time it's an old dude who was, who was, like, not good enough to be the heavyweight champion 10 years ago. Um, it's going to be a massacre. Yeah, Amilcar, yeah, you got to understand something. Yeah. You, you, you ap Apparently, you don't even know the power of the taste of chilaquiles and sopes. <laughs> when, you, when you learn that, dude, you understand. This is a very powerful temptation to oh, it, is. it is. When I first tasted sope, and uh, oh my goodness, oh God, man. <laughs> that's why Andy Ruiz blew up to 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, absolutely. Any last thoughts on this fight? Because I want to ask all of you some questions. There are actually a lot of fights announced today, and I'm going to ask all of you. To tell me your your favorite, uh, wow! He's showing it right there. The <laughs> I, I do have one last thought, Emil. Go I ahead, do have one last yeah. thought. Yeah. Uh, if you can jump two weight classes, mm -hmm. then you can compete at one thirty five, where you actually have a title. Those are the fights we want to see. Take your pick: Tail Female, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia. So if you can jump up, and and Mario Barrios, coincidentally has the dimensions of these guys as well. So if you can do that, if you can jump to 140, you idiot, compete at 135. Absolutely. He's no. ducking the smoke, bro. He's ducking all the smoke. Like they said, Tiafimo was going to do if he moved up to fight the winner of Ramirez Taylor. He's ducking everybody. Well, what the fuck is this? Stay consistent, man. No, for real. So... You know, right before we all jumped on the uh, Leaving in the Ring roundtable, shout out to D-Style, a bunch of fights were actually announced. And I'm going to ask you guys to list your top three from here. And I'm going to start with you, G-Funky. Jermel Charlo, uh, Brian Castano. We have Emmanuel Navarrete, Christopher Diaz, 
Believe it or not, we got El Chacal, Guillermo Rigondeau, taking on John Riel Casimero. That's a fight that should be good. We've got Nordin Ubale uh, finally getting his shot with uh, Nonito Donare. I believe that was postponed before due to COVID. And then we also obviously have Charlo uh, Macias. And we've also got uh, David Benavides Ustekegi, which crazily was announced today. And believe it or not, I still got two more to go. We got Daniel Roman, Ricardo Espinoza, Stephen Fulton uh, uh, against Neri Figueroa um, the, against the winner. That's a lot of fights to be announced in like a three-hour period. Uh, G Funky and then D Jeff, uh, let me know what your thoughts are initially with, with all that news. Those are some good fights. Um, you know, some of them are just eh. You know, <laughs> but um, some good fights. And they're the one I'm most looking forward to is is the undisputed at 154 pounds with Charlo and Castano. That's the fight I'm most looking forward to right there. And not only because it's for undisputed, but because I think it's going to be a damn good fight. I really do, man. Um, I'm going to start watching some film, breaking that thing down because I want to do a nice uh, prediction breakdown on that one. Um there's a few fights on there that are okay, but that's the one I'm most looking forward to out of all of them. Um, I do want to see my boy Rigo back in action, and I think he's going to win that fight, man. I'm rolling with El Chacal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. A mill card, just because it's – go ahead and share that. It's it's one of my videos. I, I won't flag you or nothing. Go ahead and share that video uh, since we're talking about Rigo, though. Uh, Where did you share it with me, bro? It's down here by the – uh, on the bottom of the- where you where you put people in at like how you put people in uh, a meal. Oh, I see you. I see you. I got it. Yeah, okay. So okay. So let's uh, have a look. Okay. Let me let me hit play. Hold on. While we talk about Rigo, right? Okay. This is the man that's nearly your grandpa. If you're listening to me right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is a man that. <laughs> Had to move up two weight divisions to fight a guy that was almost as good as him, taking the risk that he did, and he paid the price for it, right? But this is the man that even at this age has never lost at 122, has never lost at 118. He's a current champion at 118, and he's not looking for no easy fight. He's going against Casamedo, which is a, a, a killer in that division. My question to the panel is, in your opinion, is this guy still a bum? Is this guy still not good? Or are you finally going to give this man the credit he deserves? Not only for being who he is as a man, but also challenging the way he challenges himself as a fighter. Because, listen, there's a lot of the fighters that you guys love that don't take those risks. They don't. We never saw a Mayweather going up two-way division to fight an elite 154-pounder. we never seen uh, a lot of the elite fighter at their weight division abandoning their weight division to move up two weight divisions and fight immediately against a guy almost as good as him. And we never seen them come back, rebound, become a champion, and then going right back to fight another elite, very dangerous, and much younger fighter. You don't know if they, you don't often get this. So my advice to you is enjoy this man while we have him. Because... I dare I say, I think he has the skills to outbox Casemiro. If Casemiro gets him, though, I got a lot of questions because Casemiro is a killer. 
a killer. Oh yeah, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be a, a great fight. And um, again, thank you everybody for joining us today. Everyone in the chat, everyone here with me on the panel. Uh, Fridays are a blessing to me, man. With this remote schedule, I don't actually have to work and teach on Fridays, so it's a pleasure being here with everybody. I got to tell everybody that's here. My best ever boxing experience was being at Radio City Music Hall with my yeah. sister and my cousin Papa seeing El Chacal Rigondo. Rigondo destroy every plan Aram ever had in that 122 weight class with Nonito. He absolutely destroyed him. At that time, you guys will remember that everyone from Max Kellerman uh, to multiple other people were calling Nonito one of the best pound for pound this and pound for pound that. Totally discrediting my man El Chacal. Okay. And look at what he did. I mean, he schooled him. He busted him up. So I don't want to count this dude out. Um, G-Funky, we've talked about this. Raw Boxing, we've talked about this. It's one of the most disappointing stories because you're talking about a guy who had that window right after Curtin Pro where he was in his prime and he just didn't get the push he should have received from his promoter. And because of that, we don't talk about him the way we should. But, yeah, I'm going to open this up. D. Jeff, why don't we go with you? What are you? Yeah. I, I wanted to speak on that last because um, he just opened up a can of worms with the Riga, uh, Riga Dow talk, no doubt. But the last question that you asked G Funky, these fights that they have just been announced, um, yeah. I wanted to speak on that. Yeah, go for uh, it. Showtime, man. Something we got to pay attention to is the fact that Showtime specifically announced these fights. And where that's significant to me is that we're pretty much a third of the way through the year concerning boxing. And that, that fight schedule that Showtime put out extended till September. If that's just Showtime alone, fuck, bro, boxing is looking good. That's just Showtime alone. It has nothing to do with the other majors. And then you got guys like DeBella, Don King, MTK, Global, Queensberry still throwing on their cards. Uh, everything that Raw Boxing announced about going down on in Mexico. This is just Showtime that just gave us all of this. Only Showtime, guys. Think about the significance of that. Boxing is looking fucking great, fam. Damn Ab- right. Absolutely. Uh, Fight Doctor, you still there, bro? You know, it's shameful how um, a fighter the caliber of a Rigondeau has been treated over the years. Uh, The way he manhandled and schooled Donaire, you think... Listen, I recall a time when they were uh, underrating Rigondeau, calling him unexciting, uh, and he was knocking out his. He was on a knockout streak. This is joint. He's yes. Yeah. He was knocking people out, and his own promoter was calling him boring, talking about how HBO wanted the I mean, talking about. Wait, sorry, guys. I, 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 my phone is 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 having a a panic attack. Yeah, but no. Um, yeah. So the critics at the time were criticizing. Um, Regan Diaw for being for for not being exciting, and at the time he was in the middle of a knockout streak. So, you know, I just don't understand why 
he has been received the way he has over the years. I mean, the guy is a warrior, a throwback fighter, um, a highly skilled fighter. And I just don't understand. Well, I understand, but I'm not going to say why he's been received the way he's been received over the years. Cuba, because there's shit on boxes coming out of Cuba. That's one big thing. This, right? it's That's a, just a fact. It's it's a bunch of things. He's Cuban. Uh, he's got Haitian descent, which is the reason for for his last name. There are a lot of Haitians in Cuba, just like in Cuba, just like there are a lot of people of Jamaican descent. He's black. That's got to be discussed too. And I'm just gonna straight up say it. Bob Arum is racist, bro. <laughs> he said so many things that when you piece the puzzles together and you form your calculation, you're like, this dude has a playbook on how to promote people. Um, and if a guy doesn't fit neatly within the stereotype of the way he promotes people, he's got like a, a, a brain aneurysm and he doesn't know how to do what his job is to do, which is to promote. Uh, Drew Evo, uh, you don't got to speak about Regan, though you can if you want, but what are your thoughts on those fights that we mentioned that are coming out of courtesy of Showtime? Are you happy to be a Showtime subscriber right now? I don't subscribe to Showtime, actually. Oh, there you go. So, like, the Castano-Charlo uh, fight is exciting. And you can really see it's a 50-50 fight right now because of styles and everything with Castano's pressure style and everything and ability to keep punching and everything. Charlo, he, he has he has that multi-skill uh, skills that he can use, too. But right now, people are giving the edge to Charlo. But I, be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Castano wins this fight. But on on Rigondale, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I think Rigondale's been disrespected for years. I thought the when he easily defeated Nonito Donaire, that it would have gonna knocked him off to the big fights and everything, to the biggest fights, and then no one like. Everybody's talking down on him. His own promoter talked down on him. Didn't want to promote him. Even HBO didn't want to have his fights on, saying that he was born and everything. But you can't blame him. You gotta blame the lack of people that want to don't want to fight him. And then when when he moved up to face Lomachenko, he took a risk. And everything. He took a risk against a guy that possessed the same skill set that he did. And he paid for it, but he took the risk. But I think he wins this fight. They against Casemiro. I think he, he Casemiro, yeah, Casemiro. But I think he outboxes him. I think he counters him. I don't really think it's a bad fight choice for Regendale. But at the but at the end of the day, this this guy been disrespected for too long. It's a shame that he hasn't made as much money as he's made in this sport because this guy should have made a lot more money. But it comes to goddamn promoters like Bob Elm because they didn't want to promote a guy that beat their cash cow and didn't want to say, hey, I got a new cash cow now. I can make fights with this guy. And it says bashes him like he's bashing Terrence Crawford. Like I'll go broke promoting Terrence Crawford. Like... Why do you keep them under your stable then if you think you'll go broke promoting them? Yeah, who says that? 
who says that as a promoter for a fighter that's under contract? It's like if I get arrested for a crime and I hire an attorney and the attorney shows up to court and is like, yo, Emil, like this dude's a scumbag. Like, of course he did this crime. Like, he's terrible. I never understood that. But, uh, hey, Rod, we haven't gone to you yet, bro. What are your thoughts on these fights? You could talk about Rigo. You could talk about the Charlo Casimero fight. Floor is yours, bro. What do you think about these fights that have been announced? Uh, these fights uh, were fire. And somebody had mentioned that it was going to be like a like a co-main event with Spence. If it happens with Ugas, that would be looking like a great card if it happens. Uh, looking forward to if it, it happens, if it gets announced for that also. But with Rico not getting promoted, just the same as looking at Surdo Ramirez didn't get the appreciation that he should have when he was the first Mexican to be a middleweight champ, you know what I mean? And fucking, if it was fucking, uh, what's the name, uh, Hearn, Eddie Hearn fucking promoting these fucking fighters, he would be like Ali Sepak. Oh, this is the fucking next Hall of Famer. This is the fucking next this. And he would have been fucking promoting these fighters, even if that division wasn't hot at the time. You know what I mean? And man, so was, something's got to do either just Bob Aaron's going to have to die or fucking <laughs> retire or something. He's not doing good for these fucking fighters at all. No, seriously. And uh, I'm at the point right now where I sometimes don't understand why people even sign with guys. There was an era where it's like people were still signing with Don King. And I'm like, why are you doing this? And now. You know, unless you fit within the cookie cutter approach that Bob, Bob Aram uses with his fighters, like I'll give an, an example, like Conlin out here in New York. You guys want to know when you see Conlin in New York? St. Patty's Day. Other than that, <laughs> you never see you never see Michael Conlin. What are they doing with Michael Conlin other than putting him on fights in the theater at Madison Square Garden on St. Patty's Day? Yeah, it's a played out playbook, right? Um, it's it's so obvious to see, and it it it's unfortunate, bro. It, it's it's just unfortunate. So, you know, I I I don't understand it. He's obviously thrown so many people under the bus. It just does not make much sense to me. But you know, it it kind of is what it is. So uh, earlier on, go ahead, Raw Boxing. I also wanted to, I also wanted to say something very important. Uh, this is uh, um, in, still in the subject of Rigo. Back when I used to talk about this realities that I think by now it's they are undisputable, right? People used to say that I was just a Rigo fanboy. I hope that right now, if one of those is in the chat, I hope they see that this is nothing about fanboyism. This is nothing but reality. You've already seen Bob do it to Regal. You've already seen Bob do it to Teofimo. You've already seen Bob do it to Crawford, right? You've seen how Bob treated Pacquiao on his way out. De La Hoya, Mayweather. <laughs> Mayweather. list goes on and on and on and on. But this is another thing, too. In the YTBC, I, I, I kind of agree with a post that... Um, David uh, dropped, okay? Rigo is a step behind, obviously, because age does not forgive, and he doesn't wait on you. It just keeps going, and, and it, the older you get, the more you're, you know, obviously, the the slower you become, the, the less reflex, the less functional you become. However, he's still a very dangerous opponent. When it comes to technical boxing skills, I got Rigo with the edge. My only concern is the tenacity of Casamedo and the undisputable power that he carries alone. Um, 
if that's if that was if Casemiro has a, even a decent night, just based on age alone, I think I'm going to give Casemiro the edge. But I do think Rigo has the skills to outbox uh, um, this guy. And when this is how bad he had it when he beat Donito Donaire, he fought promoter. He fought mainstream media and he fought YouTube because I don't know, G Funky, if you remember a channel called Precise Punches. Oh, I remember him. He's okay, still around. That, okay, okay. That guy alongside Carcino, alongside a bunch of big YouTube channels, they were doing campaigns, video campaigns talking about Donaire got robbed versus Rico. They had it a split decision for Rico. They were for, showing they were showing Donaire. the fights in slow motion. Remember yeah. that? They were doing campaign videos talking about that Donaire got robbed versus Rigo, right? And 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 as idiots, people went to buy those those videos and subscribe to the videos, and then they would come to my video and say, "You see, Ranger, you're wrong. You're a fanboy because such and such said this." The difference is that none of those guys had ever been in a ring before. The difference is those guys were. Guys that like the sport, but no experience in the sport. The difference is none of those guys ever trained a boxer in their life, right? And I hope that now you get to see all of those realities I was telling you guys six, seven years ago, playing in the present in front of your very own face. I think it's time before we see him go that we start giving Rigondo the respect that he reserves, that he deserves. 1,000%. 1,000%. H Money, I don't know if you heard all of the fights that we discussed, but one of the fights we've been talking about is Casimero will be taking on Arigondo, and I believe it's going to be a unification fight. H Money Boxing, uh, what's good, man? What are your thoughts on these fights that have been announced? What up, H? What's good, brother? You on mute, H Money. There you go. What's going on, H? How you doing, bro? What's good? Shout out to everybody on the panel. Shout out to uh, Maestro, uh, G Funky, D Jefferson. Uh, Raw Boxing TV and the rest of the brothers, man. Um, I'm excited about these fights, man. You know, PBC, they're doing a tremendous job, man. This is a great schedule. You know, um, I'm disappointed that Deontay Wilder, he's not on the schedule. He doesn't have a fight. So I'm disappointed in that one. And no, Gary Russell, another PBC fighter, he's still inactive. So as far as Casemiro versus Rigondeaux, I'm, I got to favor Casemiro in this one. Casemiro, he looked long, he looked very strong in his last fight. Um, Casemiro is a dog. He's a dog, and I think Rigondeaux is past his prime. I think Casemiro, one of the best in the business. Yeah, Casemiro is, and he's an exciting fighter, man. I mean, last time I saw Casemiro was on, I believe it was on the Charlo pay per view undercard. Um, and he looks spectacular, man. Um, all action fight. The fact that he's taking on Guillermo Rigondo, um, I'm I'm really excited about that. And we've got a little bit of a, a time to, uh, to wait for it. Shout out to D. Jeff for sharing the schedule, the visual of it. But second question, I mean, who's doing it bigger in the game right now than this, than Showtime? Um I know, Drew, you said you're not a subscriber to Showtime. So um, is this going to make you a subscriber to Showtime, Drew? Uh, no. <laughs> <It's many. laughs> I can easily find a streaming website and watch this. All right. 
Fair enough. So do you subscribe to the zone? Yes, I do. Do you subscribe to ESPN Plus? Yes, I do for six bucks a month. Okay, so uh, I believe the zone is at what right now? It's at ten dollars a month. Uh, yeah, it's at twenty now. It's at twenty, yeah, but it's a hundred. It's still a hundred a year, so the yeah, value is still yeah. there. The value yeah, is still yeah. there. That's true. I mean, I see this. I'm seeing a lot of good fights that we haven't spent much time on Ubali Donare, but I think that's a good fight. Um, and Neri Figueroa. I mean, I'm I'm definitely tuning into that as well. I think that this is a solid card. The one weak spot that I've identified here, looking at it, honestly, is Chris Colbert versus Gamboa. I've been really impressed by Chris Colbert. Um, Gamboa. Gamboa. I, I don't like the way they shifting Gamboa around to be beat up, man. Because, I, I mean, they give him the tank, they feed him the tank, then they turn around and feed him to Devin. Now they're going to feed him to Chris Colbert. They're just shifting Gamboa around to get beat up. And it's a name that's being thrown around and put on resumes. That's all Gamboa is right now, a name to be put on resumes. And, yep. I mean, it's, it's good for Chris Colbert. Don't get me wrong. It was good for Devin Haney. It was crap. It was absolute crap for Tank. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. It's just the name being tossed around where I see what they're doing with Gamboa. Raw, Ranger, at some point, I'd love to get on the live with you and just discuss, like, the trajectory of Cuban fighters from high-level amateurs to kind of what has happened with a guy like Yuri Ortiz Gamboa or even in the past, a guy like Odlania Solis, who, you know, was sent out there to Germany to get beat up by Klitschko. And it's it's a tough road, man, that, that those guys travel. And, yo, D, I got to agree with you, man. It's knowing where he came from to where he is now, it is kind of upsetting to watch. Uh, but Ranger, I'll let I'll let you give your thoughts on that. Yeah, hey, uh, hey, real quick, man, before you go, Raw, I just want to say uh, I got to jump off, man. My time has expired here. I got to spend some time with with the wife, so uh, I'll be listening, man. And uh, hey, man, subscribe to everybody here on the on the on the platform. And uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Maestro. Tell her, tell her not to hit you with the tank last way. For sure. <laughs> Appreciate you, All right, guys. See you later. <laughs> All right, G Funky. <laughs> Okay, so allow me to speak on on the brother Gamboa, a person that is from my hometown, a guy that actually found out he dated one of my cousins uh, in Guantanamo, and a guy who I had a phone contact with, I was in contact with when he first um, arrived from Cuba. Um, The man is where he's at, not due to lack of boxing skills. People need to stop making uh, mixing this two together. Uh, the man, first and foremost, went down the pipe due to decisions outside of the boxing ring that led to decisions in negotiations towards a fight, Terrence Crawford, that led to decisions giving himself to a promoter who brought, who came not with a little bottle, but with an entire gallon of snake oil, 50 cent. Uh, after that, after that, we seen a Gamboa that was undefeated at 126 pounds, almost a year of inactivity, come in two weight divisions higher against a, a dominant Terrence Crawford, much bigger Terrence Crawford, even though he was a smaller, even though he was fighting at 135 where he didn't belong, he schooled Crawford the first four rounds. That's how that's the quality of this kid, right? But what happened when you're fighting so heavy and you 
and you haven't boxed for almost a year, you saw Gamboa look fresh, and then fourth round, fifth round came, and he gassed, and Crawford took over, right? After that, it was, uh, I don't know how many of you guys know, but Gamboa almost got killed by his baby mama here. If you guys look at his arm here, he has a huge scar. That was a stab, stab wound, wound from uh, his, like I said, nothing that's happening with Gamboa that has affected his boxing career has had to do with boxing skills. It's all outside of the ring. And it's sad to see where he's at now. Um, it's sad to see such a dominant 126-pounder. Name me one 126-pounder back when Gamboa was there. Name me one that excited you more than a Gamboa. And even about Gamboa, they spoke crap and talk about Gamboa was boring. The Cuban boxers was boring. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? He was looking like a baby Tyson. He was a baby Tyson killing everything that was in front of him, knocking them out left and right. But somehow the media still thought he was boring because he was Cuban, right? So now we see Gamboa. And when I see Gamboa, like D says, I see a name and I see a huge truck loaded with skills, but the truck's not running on fumes. It's running on fumes right now, right? I, the only thing that makes me happy about this is that at least he's making a little bit of dough before he goes and he's not getting hurt in the process with the exception of the Tank Davis fight. Because let's let's be real, Devin Haney didn't kill a mosquito that landed on his cheek. Not at all. And Chris Colbert only has six knockouts. So um, with this being said, it's boxing. Anything can happen, right? But uh, if he's going to continue to be a stepping stone, I'd rather see him be a stepping stone against guys that have no power. Because the other thing that kills Gamboa is his, his heart is bigger than his little frame body. He, he he wants to give in himself too much. He wants to trade with whoever. And uh, if he's going up against a guy with a lot of power, man, he's going to pay the price. Luckily, Colbert is not one of those. Colbert, I'm very high on Colbert. You talk about a kid that is showing excellent boxing skills, and he's still young in the game uh, as far as professional. I want to see this guy five years from now, what he's doing. Uh, you know, so... I don't know, man. It's sad to see Gamboa. And, and, and as far as Olanir Solis, you know where Olanir Solis is right now? Uh, uh, Emil Carr? Where? He's a bouncer at a strip club in Miami. Jesus Christ. An Olympic gold medalist. Term. An, Olympic, an Olympic gold medalist. It's crazy because I was... Uh, Steve Kim tweeted out something. But you know what happened? I'm sorry to cut you back because it's really important. You know what? Because people say, well, why is he broke? He made... $1.8 million with Klitschko. Mm-mm-mm. What is the name of that promoter, that Turkish or German promoter? Um, it's uh, uh, oh. No, it's the same guy that promotes the guy that lost to to, uh, to Canelo. Um, Omet. Omet is his name. Uh, uh, Omet. You, yeah. you know what Omet did to Olenir Solis? What did he do, bro? After he fought Klitschko in the locker room, he came to Solis with a $55,000 check. He said, here's your paycheck. And he said, no, but it was $1.8 million. No, no, but remember, uh, five years ago when you and I talked, you signed a paper that said you were fighting for 55 years. It was a, but you pay me 250000 my last fight. Why is, am I getting 50, 50 Gs now? That's what the paperwork said. And that's what he got paid for Klitschko. What? A man kept the money. 
Ahmed kept the rest of the money, but Solis, and this is where the end of his career came because people he left boxing too mysteriously. People yeah. don't know man. all of a sudden he was gone. Correct, correct. Uh after that, he said, Okay, what this man doesn't realize is I was born with nothing and I'm comfortable dying with nothing. He played me, now I'm gonna play him. So he made Ahmed invest in this huge venue. He was gonna come to fight some huge fighter in England. Ahmed invested all this money. And he flew to England and he went to the locker rooms, got wrapped, got ready, warmed up. And then just before the fight, he told him, oh, by the way, find you a, uh, uh, a fighter to fight this guy. My arm's hurting. Well, your arm's not hurting. Well, my arm's is hurting for $55,000. So I'm out of here. And he left the Met hanging with all that investment. And after that, he quit boxing. Oh, he said, wow. He lost the taste for boxing on top of the fact that he was never in love with boxing because in Cuba, he boxed out of necessity, right? Yeah. But but then he got here, he thought, mm, maybe I can make something out of boxing. He was doing good, you know? And uh, But then all of those dirty moves about, uh, from his promoter, he psychologically, he lost love for the sport. And that's how Lanier Solis ended his career. Now he's a bouncer at... Um, in Miami strip club and 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 when i say broke i mean broke in comparison to the to the average successful boxer but yeah. he's got more money than you and i put together yeah i i, I hope so i mean yeah. he invested uh he invested um i believe it was a hundred thousand on some store in in cancun along Gamboa did the same thing um there, he also has investments in germany his wife's from germany i believe yeah so lived out there. They're they're just not they're just not making millions. But even sitting in at home being couch potatoes, uh, they, they're they're bringing in a couple hondos a year. Oh, that's nice. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, the way he turned his ankle. Um, I thought of him the other day because uh, Tommy Morrison's son boxed on the ESPN card and the opponent he had turned his ankle and Steve Kim had tweeted out that he'd never seen anything like this before and I responded to him saying I immediately thought of Solis versus Klitschko because um, the ending of that fight was pretty much the same and was pretty weird I'm getting some some I think we'll end on this because I'm here out on the east coast and I think it's interesting that this was brought up but Candy Slim 501, shout out to you, bro. I brought up Prince Nazim Hamed. And um, then a Mexican supremacist uh, asked, is asking, is, was Prince Hamed a hype job? Um, I'm going to get this started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, shoot to you guys afterwards. Prince Hamed, just to let you guys in the chat know, he was no hype job. Um, this guy was one of the most exciting people I ever saw fight, especially when I was a teenager and kind of coming into the sport of boxing as, as a hardcore fan. Um, his entrances were amazing, but what were more amazing than his entrances were his performances in the ring. He had, like, concussive power in both hands. It's unfortunate that people remember him for his loss to Barrera, by all accounts, if you listen to Emmanuel Stewart, who was training for, he just thought he'd go in there and ice Barrera and did not like no training at all. And that was obviously a big mistake, but that should not um, cause us to really doubt this dude's skills. Have any of you seen his son? Have any of you guys seen him? 
No, I have not. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up some video real quick that came okay. out courtesy of Fight Hype. I'm gonna ask you to give your thoughts on his son, and then we'll close out with thoughts on uh, on the prince himself. All right, I'm gonna share this video here, and you guys can give me your thoughts on the prince. Here we go. This is his son over here. All right, so I'll leave it at that. Um, actually, maybe, maybe actually I should have shown his uh, his work on the pads real quick. I, I I ended it right before that. I should have shown that actually. Here we go. All right, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, you know what? If this kid gets into boxing, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I'll tell you this. As a fan of his father, just like I was a fan of Kostya Zoo, I'm going to kind of be rooting for this kid just over the fandom aspect um, because of what they did in the sport. So, uh, uh, A-Rod, why don't I start with you? Prince Ahmed and then the prospects of his son. What are your thoughts? Uh, you can see the resemblance, <laughs> big time. A little bit slower hands, you know what I mean, and the the feet, the feet a little bit quick. But Prince, I mean, uh, seem Hamed used to fucking move back and forth, hopping back and forth, and and getting getting at his his people. You know what I mean? I used to love watching that dude fight, even at replays and everything. I, I go back to the archives and check them out. And somebody in the chat was saying, "Oh, how, how, I see that Arabs look a lot of like Mexicans." Well, that's because the Arabs were in Spain for a lot of years, and then Spain came over here. That's Absolutely. how we're all. That's how we all resemble each other. And guess what? A lot of famous Mexicans are actually Arabs. Uh, Salma Hayek is Arab. Yeah. Uh, say Suleiman and his son are Arabs. The richest man in Mexico, Carlos Islam, is also an Arab. Most of them are from Lebanese Syrian descent. But yeah, Arabs have been in Latin America for ages. Just ask Shakira about that. So, uh, fight doctor. What are your thoughts on the prince, and what do you think of his son? Well, I haven't seen much of his uh, of his son, yeah. other than the clips you just showed. But um, I tell you what, uh, uh, the entrances were almost exciting as the knockouts. Oh yeah! And when you talk about punching power, uh, when you talk about the hardest punchers in the history of the sport. I think Hamed has to be part of that conversation. Oof. One of my favorite, yeah, his power was next level. Ask one of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite memories 
of Hamed. Now, forget the guy he was fighting, but... And remember, Hamed had power in both hands. He could turn your lights out with both hands, fighting, fighting Orthodox or Southpaw. Okay? Don't get it twisted. Uh, Hamed was definitely something special. Now, yeah, he wasn't keen on the fundamentals, but what he did, he did it very, very well. And one of my favorite memories of Hamed, he knocked this guy out. Single, it was a one-punch knockout. And when they showed the knockout in slow motion, you see Hamed hit the guy, and the guy instantly goes to sleep, falls face first to the canvas, and when his face hits the canvas, the blow to the, from the canvas wakes him up. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, one of my favorite memories of Hamed, that and, of course, the entrances. The entrances and the music. Listen, when you look at, so when you look at guys who have these elaborate entrances, ring walks, that's Prince Hamed. He started that. So when you see the Anthony Joshua's and all these guys who are coming out with the elaborate ring walks, nobody was doing that before Prince Hamed, right? Immediately before a Prince Hamed fight, it was a party. It was a concert. That was the that was the uh, the atmosphere and electricity that he brought uh, with his interests that were you know uh, they tended to be over the top but that was him that that's just who he was the you know he was over the top he was over the top of the ring rope he was uh, over the top in the uh, in his interviews over the top um, with his entrances you know um, a special fighter and 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 sorely missed sorely missed. Uh, raw boxing. I think that was Cabrera. I, I think I remember that fight at Wembley when he knocked Cabrera out and then he freaking hit the canvas and he woke back up. I think that's the fight the doctor talking about. I remember that, bro. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Showtime, you have to talk about Mr. Showtime. And that was Nassim Hamet. When you talk about slicks, slickness, you got to talk about Mr. Slickster himself. That was Nassim Hamet. When you talk about instigator, you have to talk about Mr. Nassim Hamet. And when you talk about greatness, you have to include him for fighting great fighters. Um, don't forget, don't make the mistake here of trying to hype up Barrera by diminishing on Hamet, because by doing that, you're also diminishing Barrera. Because what Barrera did that day wasn't no 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 joke. He defeated a man that was unstoppable in all levels uh, when it came to boxing. Um, I just I wish he would have uh, I wish I wish he would have uh, handled it psychologically a little better and not retired so soon. Um, we've seen this often in some boxers. Uh, for now, right? Unfortunately. Whoever likes it or not, it's also one thing I'm noticing on the Wilder situation. Hopefully, it's not like that. When it comes to his son, um, I, I have to agree with one of the uh, with some Tail Media in the chat. I would have loved to have seen some sparring at least, but for the sake of the uh, for the sake of the the situation here, I was more impressed by what I saw in the shoelaces down there, the way his coordination in his feet. Uh, when I teach, whenever I'm teaching a boxer. My main concern is his legs. And then, and then, and then after his legs, I, I, I move. I want to see what his, what his uh, uh, upper body movement is. I want that torso moving, not even the head. 
And then after the tour, so we moved to the head. And I like what I saw in the kid, the way he is so, for lack of better term, the dude can fly like a butterfly, so to speak. Uh, take a look at it. Take a, take a look at a very hard switch uh, that he does here. I believe, I'm not sure if it's, this is the video or not, but he does a very hard switch, then gets right back in position, jumps in with a left hook. I don't think it's this video, but you played yeah, it. Yeah. Even on even on the pad work right there, uh, Raw, if you look at his transition, like when he stepped out and pivoted, he was right back in place the way he was transitioning his weight there, which is something that Demetrius Andre right, has right, a damn right, problem. Right here, right, right here, watch, watch, watch. Right, see the pivot, and then, and then when he goes back in, like, he just he transitions his weight beautifully, which he is a problem it. with Andre. There you go. There you go. There you go. You you see how he how he shuffled and then he went side to side fluently without losing balance, without yeah. looking awkward, without having to reposition himself. Look, this is it. That's what impressed impressed me the most. Not what's going on up there, I, I, down there. That's the foundation for a boxer is down there, guys. I always say the feet, the feet, yeah, yeah. The feet and the jab. It's wild. You, you can design the most complete boxer starting off with the feet and the jab. You get the feet right and you get that jab implemented, he's going to be a problem. Does he? Does he box? Is it? Did he ever fought? Uh, even as an amateur? Do we know? I think he's fought amateur. And um, how old is he? If they're if they're releasing this footage, I'm pretty sure it's because he has plans to go pro. Um, how old is he? I'd have to. I'd have, I'd have to look into that, bro. Okay. Um, just as far as movement alone, he looks better than Campbell. Campbell yeah. Hatton. Like yeah. just I mean, just as far as movement alone, he looks better I mean, than Campbell you, Hatton. I mean, they don't blowing even, him out of proportion right yeah, now. Yeah. They don't even fit in the same argument. <laughs> you know, I was just saying like the hype surrounded yeah, 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 yeah. He was not impressive to me at all. Like he I do hope. Yeah. I do hope that if this kid comes to box with his father being the legend that he is. Mm-hmm. I do hope he's not no Chavez Jr. Oh, yeah. I hope that he comes in to give us at least, look, I don't want 100% what his father does, uh, did, was. Give me 70% of what your father was. Yeah. I hope he comes in like Connor Ben, who's not trying to lean on Nigel's name, who's trying Correct. to make his own statement, go his own path. I hope he comes in with that mentality. Like, forget about who my father was. This is me. You know what I mean? But look, Emil, I just wanted to say this real quick about Prince because I got to get ready to take off too. Yeah, yeah, all of us do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Prince Nassim Hamed, bro, was one of these special guys. Like my guy, Pernell Whitaker, right? You know where, and Pernell is one of my favorite fighters. And I will say this, what I liked about Nassim Hamed that Pernell lacked was that power, fam. Yeah. Nassim Hamed, somebody mentioned, I think it was the fight doctor, that when we talk about guys with power like the the Listons and the 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 uh 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 Julian Jacksons and guys like that, uh Hamed should definitely be in that conversation. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It wasn't Barrera that retired Hamed. It was the fact that he hit guys so hard that he was damaging his arms, fam. That's a that's a true fact. That's mm-hmm. how hard he was fucking hitting guys. He was damaging himself hitting guys so hard. With both hands, the it's dude's physics. power was, was blinding, blinding power for him. It's physics. Force exerted is force received when you're hitting a solid object. So I, I can definitely believe that for sure. Yeah. So 
We'll wrap it up here. Uh, last thoughts really quick. I'll go around to everybody. Fights you're looking forward to, the news that you want to just give a last thought on. Fight Doctor. Fight Doctor, you there? All right, I'll go to A-Rod. Yeah, my, my bad. The, my, the mic was, was uh, muted. Yeah, no, just, um, well, we're, we're still wait, wait, waiting for the Vaporware fight. Um, I think we all know what that is. And, uh, you know, um, hopefully maybe Eddie Hearn can find his pen or can, uh, you know, uh, maybe his nose will stop growing or whatever the case might, might be. But, but um, you know, look, I, I want to see Joshua Fury. I just don't think we're going to see it next uh, for, for uh, those two guys. But uh, it needs to happen. So hopefully sooner than later. I would love to see it in July, but I'm not holding my breath. There you go. I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. D. Jeff? Kill him, D. Uh, there's only one Tyson Fury. Boxing <laughs> not letting go of all of this money, man. Tyson Fury is going to get in there, as I said on D. Styles channel, and beat Anthony Joshua like a ceremonial drum. Boxing is back, baby. Let's go. There you go. A-Rod. Uh, the only thing I got to comment on is that what you guys were talking about earlier on the chilaquiles and the Mexican food. Yeah. I got to tell you guys something that nobody has mentioned that Hearn and Joshua picked the right time to fight Andy again. It was right after Christmas, right after Thanksgiving. And you know, we got the tamales, we got the carnitas, we got, man, bro, we got the feast. So they said, get him, get him right there. He's going to come in overweight. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm with you, man. My mom is Mexican, half Belizean, and both of those cultures eat tamales at, at Christmas time. I grew up with it. Raw boxing. Look, man, I'm going to be real with you. Um, they know something we don't. Okay? This fight is going to happen. They know something we don't. Otherwise... Tyson Fury would not be getting in the shape he is. Otherwise, AJ would not be killing himself in the way that he is. Otherwise, Eddie Hearn wouldn't have spoken so soon. Sometimes you get such a good news and you're like, damn, it's not the right time. But, 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 brr. damn, I made a mistake. I spoke too soon. But nevertheless, I re at the end of the day, I'm going to steal a little bit of what D's saying. They know something we don't and they're not going to let go of this money. It's too much. If I put $500 million in that sidewalk, you're not going to walk past it and ignore it. Matter of fact, dare I say, you're willing to run over anybody with your car just to keep that money, right? Mm -hmm. They know something we don't. As far as fights, I'm looking forward to. With the heart in my hand, I want to see the Rigo. Oh, yeah. See either Rigo succeed or call it quits. Yep. Um. This is it. This is definition of career right here. This is the fight where you're either going to say, I won, so I'm going to retire as this person or maybe fight one more time, or that's it. Although I saw a recent interview on a Cuban uh, uh, channel, YouTube channel, not actual Cuba, but a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. He 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 keeps sending, um, or his people keep sending uh, paperwork to Inoue. He 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 said, "I don't want to retire without fighting." You know what? I want to see that so bad. If that that was actually going to be my closing argument or or comment, and I'll say it right now: if he gets past Casemiro, and if he 
Be- if he dominates Casemiro, then we got an argument there, bro. Yeah, but I, but, but I'm telling you, I, man, I, I, if this is, this is, we're, we're right there, right? Where you know the guy has the skills, but you don't know if his body yeah. will allow him to implement it That's due to age, right? And again, we criticize fighters when they run away from tough positions, and we kill Rigo when he's asking for tough yeah. positions. What's it gonna be? There, you make your pick. There, hey, I tell you this, A Rod. Uh, another reason I wanted to leave because I was hungry as hell, and A Rod started talking about that Mexican food. Guys, <laughs> I had some sitting here waiting for me, and goddamn it, I'm ready to go eat it. <laughs> That's MMT. So, it's right, but I'm ready to go get it. On that, that note, and I always end with my Afro Cuban percussion, man. I'm going to say this: if he beats Casemiro and they have a fight with Inoue on the line or in discussion, I'm not going to be more excited about any other fight than that one. In a way, in a way, Rigo, no, come on, bro. Man, so, agree. I think, I think, I think beating Casemiro is a big enough statement. To, and then to, to do that at that age and then go and fight in a way, I don't care if he loses a win at that point. You got to give yeah. the men the props. I, I think he beats Casemiro. I think he beats Casemiro, and I think Monster is a little too spry young, and I think Monster will get him. But Casemiro is – he has flaws. He's powerful, but he has flaws, flaws that I believe Rigo will exploit. So, yeah. Emil, we got to do this again because, see, now we're going to cut the show, and there's still (laughs) five hours of content that we can talk about. You know it. Yes, sir. And uh, I'll be back for another roundtable overtime, the first of many to come. Thank you, Fight Doctor, D. Jeff, A-Rod, Broadboxing TV. It's me, Maestro Amilcar. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Have a good night. Feliz noche. Buenas noches. Hasta luego. Yeah, bro. That was a great great after uh, show, bro. I'm telling you. Raw boxing was right, bro. You can we could have went for another three hours, but I'm hungry as shit, bro. <laughs> we got to do it again. You too, yeah. Thank you for being here, brother. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me, bro. Oh, man. Let's go, man. Have All a right, good, bro. Y'all take care, man. All right, take All right. care, bro. All right, take a light.